You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On today's episode, we break down the 49ers' 35-7 annihilation of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The first time a QB has ever beaten Tom Brady in their first start. The win brings the Niners to 9-4 and four on the season with a chance to clinch the NFC West with a win against Seattle on Thursday. But the real story here, of course, is Brock Purdy. What, what a remarkable game. Something that I'm sure he was dreaming about the night before and it would seem that all his dreams came true. You couldn't ask for anything better than this game. It was 35-7, to seven, but really it didn't feel that close. <laughs> Literally everything went right for the 49ers in this game, and we'll get into it in a bit, but the Buccaneers basically shot themselves in the foot or in the face at every single opportunity. Yeah, but uh, but still, you have to give credit to Purdy. I mean, I look at last year, you know, Trey Lance coming in against the Texans in a must-win game, and the Texans were a very subpar opponent. And the Bucks were not. I mean, they haven't been great with their record, and their offense has struggled. But Brock Purdy had a week to prepare for a top five NFL defense, and he put up a QBR over ninety five. He just absolutely, or sorry, ninety two point eight. I think was the final number. Just absolutely shredded them. What a what a storybook thing for him, and so great to see all the love that he's getting all across NFL media. And every week he plays, it's basically going to be this is the first time Mister Irrelevant has done. X, whatever it might be. So every week, people are basically talking about how he's making history. Eventually, I think that's going to fade, especially if he keeps playing at such a high level. That's what people are going to come to expect. But at this point, it sort of feels like the 49ers are playing with house money. It's just ridiculous that they're getting any kind of production from a third string quarterback after losing Trey Lance for the year and now Jimmy Garoppolo. On last week's podcast, we mentioned that he might be back. Some of the reports coming out this week are saying he might be able to walk and move around, but it's extremely unlikely that he's going to be able to actually play football, let alone play football at a playoff caliber. Yeah, like evade Micah Parsons in the pocket in the NFC Championship game or or all those pass rushers from the Eagles. Yeah, pretty unlikely. So. Anyway, like we said, Purdy was the story, but it was really a great week of games in the NFL. This is something we love about the NFL is because it's not three, four games a week for each team. It's In other sports, it's kind of hard to sum up an entire week. But for the NFL, we had a great slate of games on Sunday and even Monday and, and something that I don't want to talk about that happened on Thursday, but we will. But just some of the highlights, the Dallas Cowboys just barely eked out a win against the 1-10 in 10 Texans, which is kind of crazy. Um, Texans took a lead all the way deep into the second half of that game. Minnesota um, lost to the Detroit Lions, who were surging, and Minnesota becomes the first 10-win, 10-3 and team ever to have a negative point differential. Um, Kirk Cousins throws for 400 yards again in a loss. We've talked about how difficult it is to kind of figure out who this 49ers team is because they've had some really bad, bad losses uh, that they had no business losing. But the Vikings, I think, are even worse. When you look at their record in one-score games, you can kind of make an argument for or against the Vikings with this because on one hand, yeah, it's great that in these closely contested games you're finding a way to win. But at the same point, you really have to look at that and realize that those games could have gone the other way. Yeah. And like you said, with a negative point differential, that's really 
astonishing. It's hard to believe it's even possible. At some point, you have to figure that kind of luck is going to run out. I'm a big believer in that stat in general, point differential. I think when you click on the standings page of NFL.com or ESPN and look at the standings, sure, early in the season, it's not always indicative because one big blowout early on can really skew things. But I think when you get to the end of the year and you look and you see that the teams with the best point differentials at this point so far are teams like us and the Eagles and the Bills, you start to see that there's something to this statistic that the teams that are better generally have a better point differential they're they're not just scraping by and getting lucky they're they're hammering opponents like we did to the bucks yeah that seems like a john madden thing right like if you score more points than your opponent (laughs) you're gonna win the game boom yeah yes sorry if that's a little captain obvious but that wasn't a great impression i apologize to john madden and to frank caliendo Yeah, who who did Madden better, Madden, Madden or Caliendo? I'm not sure. Um, elsewhere in the league, um, the Eagles did not struggle the way some of these other NFC playoff teams did. The Eagles just absolutely whooped the Giants, who, after such a, a darling start, have suddenly found themselves in a bit of a rut. Yeah, coming back down to earth a little bit. That's yep. to be expected. Another potential playoff team that lost, of course, was Seattle. Carolina doing us a favor by knocking them off. And then probably one of the more interesting games, too, was the Monday night matchup, Herbert versus Tua, a lot being made of the the draft position of each and the mm-hmm. choice for Miami to, to pick Tua instead of Herbert, and then Herbert you know, outplays him. Tua, Tua seems to have been space jammed. Like He has lost his ability to throw accurately. He looks like Charles Barkley in space jam out there. It's bizarre. It seems like the 49ers just broke him. He's been really bad the last couple of weeks. It'll be interesting to see how he rebounds. If anybody can get good production out of him, I think Mike McDaniel is the guy to do it. So I'm not overly concerned. I think he can rebound and and likely will rebound. But definitely, um, if you're a a Dolphins fan, you're probably talking a little bit less smack uh, this week than you have been in the past few weeks. Yeah. Well, the last game we're going to just briefly mention before we get into our 49ers Bucks recap. I don't really want to talk about it. But oh, I, I can't wait to talk about this one. <laughs> on Thursday night, Baker Mayfield, after only two days of being on the team, led the Rams to an improbable win that included a 98-yard game-winning drive. And if you listened to our podcast last week, we had a pretty hearty disagreement on whether the 49ers should have tried to add Baker Mayfield. I was a no because I said that we need to be looking to bring in guys with character, competence, and chemistry, the three C's, and you said Baker, Baker, Baker. Um, Go ahead, gloat for a minute. So, yeah, I'm going to gloat. Baker had a 98-yard touchdown drive with a minute and a half and like no timeouts. There weren't any starters that put together a drive like that. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is an amazing quarterback. I'm not even saying he's a good quarterback. I'm saying he is a lot better than Josh Johnson. That's all I'm saying. So we talk about how surprisingly great Brock Purdy has been. So I think perhaps that Brock Purdy's best quality is that he is completely invulnerable to physical injury. And we know that it's not possible for him to have any kind of injury that could ever force a backup quarterback into the game. And that's why we are backing him up with Josh Johnson. It's really just a formality because we know Brock Purdy couldn't possibly ever get hurt, right? Quick asterisk, Brock Purdy may have injured his oblique in this game. And rib. Yeah, yeah. So, so oblique and rib. He's basically questionable for the game Thursday. So once again, no offense to Josh Johnson, but if he is taking the reins for this team, I'm going to puke. Um, we had an opportunity. Ultimately, 
it's a moot point because the Rams were way ahead sure. of us in the waiver claim in the waiver yeah. claim. So, so even if we had put a waiver claim in, we wouldn't have gotten him. It is kind of crazy to me that we didn't even try like, my gosh, kick the tires. Are you seriously <laughs> saying Josh Johnson is better than Baker Mayfield? Like, come on. I'm just happy for you that you have your moment. You were able to rub it in my face the next morning. 1000% right on that one <sighs> for one week. Anyway, <laughs> Moving on <laughs> to a happier topic for me. Uh, let's get into the storylines coming into this 49ers-Bucks game. Obviously, we've already talked about Purdy versus Tom Brady and what a, a Cinderella kind of story that is. And, and the age and, disparity, the largest age disparity in the history of the game. Yeah, the media had a lot of fun talking about this in advance of the game, but I don't think they were expecting the game to actually go anything like it did it was more of just like a, a fun story like like almost like in the college basketball bracket when you see some 16 seed get to play duke at their pinnacle it's like oh what a what a cool opportunity for these guys to be able to play duke and that's how people were talking about this game for purdy only it and Brock spoiler Purdy's- alert yeah fox i think was not expecting this game to go the way it did evidenced by the fact that they literally cut away from the game in the third quarter it was so far out of hand yeah if you were an analyst who thought brock purdy was just happy to be there i've got news for you he he was really happy to be there after we won the game 35 to 7 so again i mentioned this was not a a defense that was a pushover the bucks came in with a top five defense with talent at all three levels for the bucks the biggest storylines coming in could brady and the offense who's been a little out of sync get something going especially with tristan Wirfs, their all-star right tackle who they drafted right before we traded back one and picked javon kinlaw i'm a little salty about that still but could they muster something on offense especially with Tristan Wirfs out yeah this Buccaneers offensive line is a shadow of the offensive line that they had when they uh, won the Super Bowl a few years ago I was speaking to my brother my other brother who's not on this podcast who is a big Bucks fan and I said what do I need to know about this matchup why are the Bucks so bad on offense and he said that Donovan Smith is the worst offensive lineman in the NFL and he holds on every play and because of that he's the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL. And that was very prescient. He, he's maybe, maybe he should be on this podcast. He, he kind of called that, but we'll get into that. The other big storyline for the bucks was that they didn't have Antoine Winfield or their other starting safety. So some injuries for them coming in, but still, I mean, it's Tom Brady. He's the goat against Mr. Irrelevant. So a lot of intrigue coming in. So let's get right into it. 49ers get the ball first, which doesn't happen often. Usually either we defer, defer or, yeah. or the other team wants the ball first. And all we did was go on on an immediate <laughs> five play 67 yard touchdown drive but not without some opening drama the very first play of the game the, bu- the bucks dial up a safety blitz and brock purdy gets absolutely rocked but fortunately a flag comes out because of a little bit of helmet to helmet contact in the 80s that's just a, a 10 yard sack but because we're in the age of where you have to sack the quarterback by laying them down on a pillow and singing them a lullaby fortunately 49ers get the penalty and it actually ends up being a good thing Yeah, I'm basically not ever going to apologize for getting a roughing the passer call. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you've heard us whine and moan week after week after week about ridiculous roughing the passer calls. So it goes around. This is not something that exclusively happens to the 49ers, but my gosh, we are on the receiving end of some BS roughing the passer calls on a regular basis. So nice to finally at least get one there. It was interesting too, Shanahan, apparently. He was very complimentary of Purdy, as he should have been. But when he was asked about it, I think he did say that a little bit that one was the wrong play. Yeah, Purdy's (laughs) fault. You know, he, he checked out of... The, the first scripted play for Shanahan, which is kind of shocking for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, to talk do. about cojones. Wow. <laughs> like, 
Shanahan is famous for like his opening script, right? And to audible out of that on the first uh, and get wow. rocked. I'm sure that was a good learning experience for Purdy. <laughs> I imagine that Shanahan let him hear about that on the headset. But way to bounce back on a third and seven of that drive hits Kittle for 15 yards. McCaffrey gets a run for 21 and then Debo caps it off with a, a jet sweep score um, where he runs it in for the touchdown to make it seven to nothing. And it was interesting. There was motion on the play where Ayuk was coming the other direction. And some people question, you know, why, why the 49ers, is it really necessary? All this extra motion. I challenge you go back and look at the replay. And what you'll see is Devin white for the bucks. One of the best on ball mm-hmm. linebackers in football he was the one who almost got to Debo but couldn't. And if you go back to the very beginning of the play, he wastes the first two seconds taking steps in the wrong direction because he thinks that the ball is going to Ayuk. So case in point of why we do things like that, that extra motion that just delays the defenders, great to see Debo get that rushing touchdown. Yeah, so Debo goes into the end zone basically untouched on that one and in the process nets himself a $150,000 bonus. So that was nice for Debo as well. Yep. Good for him. The Bucks get the ball back and they go on kind of a methodical drive where they didn't have any plays longer than 11 yards, but they did get into 49ers territory and then just a bizarre coaching decision for them. They line up to attempt a 55-yard field goal despite the fact that the the long for their kicker in pregame warmups and and I have to say the broadcast did a good job with stuff like that. They were commenting on it. They said this is kind of weird. His longest make in pregames was 51 yards and this is from 55 and sure enough the kick was way short and and off to the right by five or ten yards as well just bizarre decision by Todd Bowles and the Bucks. yeah that was an aggressive call there certainly um, you know ultimately turned out to be an unwise decision not sure if that was kind of like a desperation move like they just were desperate to get points on the board or if they thought hey you know Brock Purdy is not going to be able to do much against our defense we may not need too many points in this one you know take the points when you can get them But yeah, ultimately, that gives the 49ers great field position starting their next drive. They didn't really do anything with it. They had a a three and out in part because of a holding on Trent Williams uncharacteristically where Purdy tried to scramble out and he he picked up 10 on the play, but it was third and 11 and he dove for it. It was very valiant, but I believe that's the play actually where he kind of tweaked his oblique and that's an issue more so going into next week he was able to to continue in this game and and <laughs> didn't, didn't yeah didn't, didn't seem, seem too bothered yeah, by didn't it didn't seem to affect him too much in the moment but the 49ers punt there um and then the donovan smith thing just rears its its head good for my brother for calling it the bucks have a 68 yard touchdown to mike evans called back due to an egregious holding by donovan smith where he's practically trying to tackle tackle the 49ers defender what and, a dagger that was yeah. too Brady and Mike Evans have been in a funk, if you will. They they have not been able to connect the way that they have in years past. A lot of that is due to protection. Brady does not have the time for these routes to develop. So when you see just an absolutely wide open walk-in touchdown like that. So on one hand, we talked about how this game was 35-7, to and it really wasn't as close as that. It felt like even more of a beatdown. On the other hand... There were some plays throughout this game that absolutely could have shifted the momentum. If the Bucks score a walk-in touchdown there, Brady and Evans have their mojo back. That was a huge, huge call, huge moment in this game. Obviously, it was a hold, clearly a hold, mm-hmm. so it deserved to come back. But when you talk about moments or plays in the game that could have completely 
altered the trajectory of this game. Certainly none bigger than this one. Yep. And instead of tying the game 7-7, they have to punt it back to the 49ers. And Purdy answers immediately with an eight-place 62-yard touchdown drive where, again, he hits Kittle for 15. McCaffrey had two straight 13-yard runs, which was great to see. And then they get down inside the red zone, which has been a bit of a problem for the 49ers. But Purdy finding nobody open just really a lot of good wiggle in the pocket, finds some open space, runs it in. The crowd goes nuts. Purdy goes nuts. His teammates go nuts. Kittle, uh, a great teammate, always seems to, to find the ball and make sure to save it. And the 49ers go up 14 nothing. So Todd Bowles, the head coach for the Buccaneers, when he was asked essentially what went wrong in this game, he basically said, Kyle outcoached us. And when you look at the open running lanes, just – for days you had McCaffrey basically running through these enormous holes that anybody could have run through obviously he had a phenomenal game and looked great but that's where the the scheme comes in the coaching really comes into play also you talk about more injuries for the Buccaneers they did lose Vita Vea in this game who is kind of the stalwart uh, run stuffer on their defensive line so certainly that factored in did not help the Buccaneers at all um but it's really interesting to watch Purdy. He is really, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a guy that you can't help rooting for. But he's kind of like a combination or a hybrid of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, if you will. So he's definitely, he somehow seems more comfortable in the pocket than Lance does. He's definitely more of a pocket passer. You're not calling up a bunch of designed runs for him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, he definitely can you know, we see what happens when Jimmy Garoppolo sees the play break down and he tries to run it in from three yards yeah. and gets smashed two yards short of the goal line. Purdy goes in untouched. Yeah. So he's definitely got some wheels that Jimmy Garoppolo was simply not blessed with. Um, he doesn't have the rocket arm that Trey Lance has, but he also has a willingness to throw to the outside that we have really rarely seen from Jimmy. Yeah. Again, 49ers go up 14 to nothing there, and that's a good feeling because the Bucks' offense has been really struggling, and I came into this game really suspicious that the Bucks would not be able to put up more than 20 points unless they got a pick six or something just based off of how they've been performing. So to already have 14 points at that point is great, and the Bucks have a three and out right after that. And so nice to see Kyle Shanahan just put on the gas. You know, you've got a nine-play, 71-yard touchdown touchdown drive right after that bucks three and out um, two first down catches from Debo and then a 27 yard touchdown from McCaffrey that was reviewed for a long time because he had a, a slight bobble and there was question as to whether or not he got both feet in but really the play if you didn't see the highlight basically what happened was they motioned Kittle into the backfield and they put McCaffrey out wide as a wide receiver and you could just tell the the play was designed where it wasn't exactly a double move, but it was set up to look like a slant. And the defender just didn't believe it. Just didn't, yeah, didn't believe that Brock Purdy was going to throw deep. And sure enough, he did. He pump faked uh, with the the defender. You know, you know, just beautiful throw to the outside shoulder where only McCaffrey could get it. He hangs on, and the 49ers are up twenty one to nothing. And it's that just, was a spectacular, yeah, spectacular grab. Obviously, that was an amazing throw, but an even better catch. It wasn't just that he bobbled it. The defender actually came in and almost ripped that ball out. And the fact that he was able to regain control that quickly and drag his toe, that was a spectacular catch. It's crazy to me to think that he's a running back. Um, he's just as good. He's got just as good hands as anybody on this team. 
Bucks next possession, they have their third straight three and out. And Jimmy Ward, who has struggled at times with the way we've moved him around and put him in the slot, he had a really great pass breakup where he was just all over Chris Godwin. And so on, on that third down play, that ends the drive, and the Bucks have to punt it back. And then for the 49ers, <clears throat> beg your pardon, that was the, the Debo drive, and we're going to talk about his injury, but they mo- were able to move the ball a little bit, and then on second and nine from Tampa Bay's 43-yard line, Debo gets a, a running play, gets tackled by multiple defenders. He's in immediate pain. The ball comes out, and he's grabbing at his leg. The cart comes out. There's tears, and you're legitimately worried that it's a, a torn ACL, and immediately all or the— Or a broken ankle yeah, or who knows what. All the Twitter experts come out to say— why this is Kyle Shanahan's fault and you know how dare we run Debo Samuel up the middle when we're leading 21 to nothing thoughts well even Jerry Rice came out and said you know we need to stop running our skill player up the middle it's like Debo Samuel is going to do what he wants to do on any given play if he feels like it's best to cut it back over the middle that's what he's going to do if he feels it's best to break it to the outside that's what he's going to do He's going to do whatever it takes, whatever he thinks is the best opportunity to gain the most yards. And more often than not, it works out. This is the NFL, and this is the San Francisco 49ers. So I don't know why people are acting so surprised that 49ers are getting hurt. Like, this is something (laughs) new. You know, you you hear that expression, like, where something goes to die, right? Like, Nickelback is where musical talent goes to die, right? Something like that. So San Francisco 49ers is where football players, quarterbacks specifically go to die. And when I say go to die, I don't mean play poorly. I mean, there's a really good chance that if you're on the field for the 49ers, you might actually die. Dante Johnson, um, again, he's not a, a major contributor on the team, but he's somebody that the 49ers have brought back many times to fill in those gaps when other guys get hurt. He tore his ACL and he's done for the year. You're looking at Debo now, possibly done for the year. Fortunately, we did get some good news in the in the days following the game. Uh, I believe the exact quote up on this was that Debo is going to miss something like three-ish games yeah. was the quote I heard. From the way he reacted on the field, I think we were all worried it was an ACL, but as it turned out, it was an MCL and a high ankle. So I think just the combination of the pain in his leg probably led him to believe that his season was over at that point. Yeah. Super, super relieved That's to totally find understandable. out that that was not the case. So the Bucks they get a 32-yard hit to Godwin after that, certainly energized by that turnover, and they get into the red zone. But then they couldn't punch it in. Brady threw badly low and behind Evans on fourth and goal, so they have a turnover on downs, and the 49ers are still up 21 to nothing. And then Purdy, who we gave a lot of credit to, he did this last week where you had like a not quite two minute, a little bit more than two minute drill, but with two minutes and 29 seconds left in the second quarter, you know, heading into halftime, you would think that Kyle Shanahan with his seventh round, yeah, up three touchdowns would be super conservative. But after two runs from McCaffrey netted a first down, Shanahan just said, what the heck? And just went for it. He became aggressive. They hit Ayuk on a, a curl route where Ayuk really turned on the jets, managed to get to the outside and get out of bounds and it was a a pickup of 25 and then Purdy hits Ray Ray for 11 and then he did have um, a pretty badly thrown or or bad bad decision on on an interception for the Bucks but it was called back due to a penalty where Jennings depending on whether you're a 49ers fan or a Bucks fan either he was mugged and shoved to the ground and I'm so glad they called a flag or 
he was gently touched, lost his footing, and and got the benefit of a erroneous flag. But either way, yeah, that was that one was questionable for sure. Like you said, I think it depends who you're rooting for on that one. That was certainly one of those judgment calls that maybe could have gone either way. But as we mentioned, anytime the Bucks had an opportunity to shoot themselves in the foot, they did yeah. it. Uh, we talked about how that touchdown throw to Evans was probably the biggest one of the game. This was definitely number two. Yeah, the foot on the gas there. You would think after Purdy throws the interception there and you, you get the good fortune of having it called back, that Shanahan yeah. would go Ooh. like, all right, okay, all right, okay. dodge dodged a bullet there. Let's run it up the middle. No. Take our the, field goal. The very next play, they run a double move with Brandon Ayuk. And once again, the Bucks just don't, they don't believe it. They, they, they could not, you could tell the defenders just could not believe that we would take a deep shot to the outside with Brock Purdy in that situation. And sure enough, he hits Brandon Ayuk for the 32-yard for touchdown. And, and just as everyone predicted, the 49ers go up 28 to nothing in the first yeah, half. Yeah, for, for our second explosive touchdown to the outside with, with short, small-armed Brock Purdy. It, it was just a crazy, crazy moment. On top of that, I don't know if you heard about this, but they said, so Ayuk said that wasn't even in the game plan for this week, that play. He said, I thought I misheard it at first because that wasn't in the game plan. And then we come to find out that was something that Shanahan noticed on tape, that they were susceptible to a double move in that part of the field. And so he basically talked to Purdy and said, are you comfortable with this? And BCB um, <laughs> said, yeah, sure. And obviously the throw was a little bit late, but he pumped and the defender absolutely bit on it. Yeah. And it makes a makes a throw. It's completed, and he sort of just backs his way into the end zone, yeah. and they go up 28 to nothing. It was just stunning. You can't believe what you're watching. And again, that's where you get the, is this a dream thing? Because I'm sure Brock Purdy, the night before this game, was trying to go through all the visualization yeah. that these players do. You know, you imagine yourself. What's the best case scenario? Yeah, you imagine yourself throwing touchdowns and, and going up 28 to nothing at halftime, and the fact that it actually happened you know ridiculous that, that throw was a little bit behind like you said but part of that was because purdy had to execute the pump fake to get the corner to come up but he almost ran out of time he had a defender bearing down on him he took he a had shot to, he had to get rid of the ball immediately after that yeah. pump fake and then take a big shot from a defensive lineman so i'm not blaming him for throwing a little bit behind the more important thing was don't overthrow that you yeah. know don't, don't you hate it 49ers fans when Kyle Shanahan draws up a great play the mm. receiver's wide open and then the quarterback overthrows him hate that so that left the Bucks pretty much no time on the clock so they had to just kneel it going dazed into and confused yeah halftime 28 to nothing for the 49ers and Twitter is on fire at this point with everyone saying what is going on with Brock Purdy and the 49ers Bucks offense just couldn't get anything going uh, Brock Purdy at that point at the half was 14 of 18 for 185 yards, 10.3 yards per attempt, two big touchdown throws, and a, a rush for a touchdown. And then McCaffrey was great too, 13 rushes for 81 yards. So that went just about as well as it possibly could have. So not a whole lot really happened in the second half, as you can imagine. I mean, in a game where where one team is up by four touchdowns, but Tampa Bay, they get a big kickoff return and they're celebrating. And yeah, it's Tom to Brady, right? We've, we've seen Tom Brady up 28 to three. Uh, Kyle Shanahan will tell you that <laughs> just because you're up four scores doesn't necessarily mean the game is over when Tom Brady is the quarterback. And if you hate Tom Brady, we would like to formally apologize for that Super Bowl against the Falcons. We were in the room with the person who jinxed the Falcons. <laughs> we were watching that Super Bowl, and my nephew walks in. He's not even that avid of a football fan. But when the Falcons went up 28-3, to he just said, wow, 
man, that's it. The Falcons just won the Super Bowl. And every single head in the room. Silence we just, all just turns. just turned to look at him like, you do not say that. And sure enough, with every touchdown <laughs> they scored, we all just kept giving him this, just this evil glare. And sure enough, the... The, the Patriots came back to win that. So sorry if you hate Tom Brady or if you're a Falcons fan, my, my nephew is responsible. So we apologize for that. But yeah, to your point, you don't take Tom Brady lightly ever, even down 28 to nothing. And so they're pumped up after that return, a huge kickoff return, which again has been a, a bit of an issue for the 49ers on special teams. Yeah, Gold was not able to get the ball into the end zone either. Like all of the kickoffs were like to the five-yard line, which didn't really help. But. No, and that's that's pretty common. A lot of times he doesn't. It seems like after he kicks field goals, he's got that adrenaline pumping, and he usually gets touchbacks after he's kicked a field goal. But outside of that, yeah, most of them were looking in like that five-yard range uh, where, where he does the kickoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Bucks get a huge return. They're pumped up. They're ready to get back in this game. And then to Sean Gibson with the interception. The 49ers defense was just completely, you know, unbothered unfazed and i think this was the one where brady had hit his hand on the throw before on the throw before he'd hit his hand on the helmet so i don't even know if his his hand was really even you know functioning like it should have but huge interception for for gibson the safeties have both been so good at getting their hands on the ball and then the ensuing 49ers drive mccaffrey a 38 yard rushing touchdown right up the middle you know not quite untouched but but nearly beats the guy to the outside stiff arms and the 49ers are up 35 to nothing and at this point we're just ready to pull bosa and trent williams and anybody else you know as the fan watching on the couch like all right good good we did it now, <laughs> no more injuries please no more injuries uh from there the bucks put together a 12 play drive that ended in an interception to greenlaw where he just made a, a phenomenal play jumped up and tipped it to himself nothing really worth mentioning for the rest of the game, I mean, as you could imagine, the 49ers were kind of in shutdown mode. Yeah, the 49ers basically, you know, packed it in, and, and so did the Bucks. Let's let's be honest. It is Tom Brady, and, and he still has that competitive fire and, you know, that never quit. But it was interesting. We did see some of that characteristic Tom Brady yelling and screaming early on. I think he realized at some point during this game no amount of yelling and screaming is going to motivate his team to beat this 49ers team. Yeah on this day i think he realized it was pointless there was another funny moment in the game so brady is kind of responsible for a lot of destroyed microsoft (laughs) tablets so much so that the league sent out a memo saying you know it it was it was a memo to every nfl (laughs) team because i guess they didn't want to say hey tom stop breaking all of these tablets they cost money uh, but they basically said, you know, you're responsible. Don't break these tablets. <laughs> so there was a moment in the game where Tom Brady, after the interception, uh, it looked like he wanted to throw it. And then he just sort of casually <laughs> dropped it from about 16 inches off the ground, just dropped the tablet on well, the ground. Maybe whatever therapist he's seeing is helping with his anger issues. But yeah, the Bucks did put together one scoring drive. If you could call it that, they got kind of lucky where, you know, the ball was sort of, dropped slash tipped to Russell Gage for the touchdown and that was their lone that was score. a wild looking play too yeah they're their only score in the game though and then later uh, Rashad White fumbles it was forced out by Jimmy Ward who again played really well Alshire recovered and that was pretty much the game Josh Johnson managed to get into the game Purdy finishes pretty much with the same stat line in the second half you know that he had in the first half. They were not looking to throw in the second half but McCaffrey goes 14 for 119 for an 8.5 yard rushing average which is just crazy he had a a rushing and a receiving touchdown greenlaw with 15 tackles and i think you're beginning to see he is solidifying himself 
as one of the best linebackers in football. And it's so fortunate that we locked him up early this year after a couple of stupid penalties when he was not thinking of himself as one of the best linebackers. Yeah, in he's had he's had some bonehead penalties over the years, but my gosh, he is an amazing, amazing player. It's crazy that we got him in the fifth round. Shanahan was asked about that as well after just the spectacular play. And he basically said, well, we had Quan Alexander at that time. We had a third round grade on him. We never thought he was going to be available. You know, we didn't have linebacker as a need where we thought he was going to get drafted. So when he fell to the fifth, it was essentially a no brainer for them. He has certainly exceeded expectations, just played a spectacular game. I thought it was really interesting after the game as well that Greenlaw took the ball to Brady and had him sign it. I couldn't believe that Brady actually did that. I'll give Brady full props for that. He's kind of notorious for not always being the greatest sport after a loss. Sure. Um, He's definitely had some moments where he did not exhibit the, the greatest sportsmanship, but in this one, he took it like a champ. There were so many 49ers going up to him. And to their credit, they were giving him the full respect and yep. full props. They weren't saying, ha ha, we absolutely wrecked you. Yep. you. You know, oh, you're the goat, huh? No, they were super respectful. They understand he's a legend. Um, and he basically, you know, Fred Warner came up and said, it's an honor to play against yep. you. Spencer Burford, same thing. Jordan yeah. Jennings, I grew up watching you. Would you please sign my jersey? Like while he's wearing yeah, it. Yeah, on his jersey. He's basically on, like leaning his chest in saying, hey, sign sign my jersey. You know, Kittle, I guess. Aaron had, Banks came up. And, Kittle, and, I guess, had never met Brady, which was yeah, interesting. That's, that's it, but that he said, it's so nice to finally meet you and, and what an honor to, to play against you. So again, it was, it was Aaron cool. Banks wanted a photo with him. Like, yeah, it, it was cool to see Tom Brady so gracious. Some people said he was just getting to know his future teammates. Um, that maybe that's why Brady was so yeah, nice. Well, I guess you know Purdy's going to have something to say about that. We'll see how he does. Yeah. Do you even need Tom Brady, sure. right? Some other stars of the game for the 49ers. Just the secondary really, really played well. They they had to because Brady got rid of the ball fast. He wasn't sacked at all, but he was hit seven times, and the secondary held up. You know, aside from the blown coverage on that Mike Evans touchdown. Well, that, that was called back. That technically never happened. That's true. <laughs> Check wink, the wink. stat sheet. Um, great job by the offensive line too. Purdy, you know, dealt with a little bit of pressure for sure. But part of that was just constant blitzing, which everyone seems to be trying to do to rattle him. And it's just not working, but the offensive line, especially in the run game, it wasn't just McCaffrey who went off. Jordan Mason had 11 carries for 56 yards and just looks phenomenal. Continues to impress. He, he looks like a beast. The 49ers had nine rushes of 10 yards or more. That just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. It's really, really hard to do, um, especially against a defense, like you said, a top five defense. Spectacular blocking, spectacular scheme, coaching. This was really, truly a best-case scenario. The 49ers essentially stopped trying after their first drive in the second half. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Defense didn't let up, though. I mean, Brady finished with a staggering 4.6 yards per attempt. I mean, he threw the ball 55 times. His arm is going to fall off yeah, sometime, and, and right? still only only managed to throw for 253 yards with one sort of tip, lucky touchdown, two interceptions. Mike Evans was completely contained, four catches for 44 yards. Bucks were four of 16 on third downs. They lost the time of possession to the 49ers by like five to six minutes. Penalties were huge. Yeah, penalties. Niners were you know executing. They were only penalized twice for 15 yards. Bucks penalized eight times for 62 yards. So 
just a, a huge complete team win. I was reading that in the DVOA, like the advanced analytics, this was one of the the t- one of the. It's the second time. Sorry to sort of stammer over it, but it's the second time that the 49ers have had a top five victory in terms of just complete analytical domination of their opponent. The other was the game against the Cardinals. That was a fun podcast to do. Yeah, but. The 49ers have had two of the five most dominating victories this year, and this one came in Brock Purdy's first NFL start, which is just staggering. Speaking of the Cardinals, we should mention that it's pretty much time for them to start over, right? I mean, yeah, they signed a, a pretty bad coach um, to a really long deal. Kyler Murray went down on a non-contact injury, which 99% of the time means it's an ACL. That was later confirmed. Kyler Murray has an ACL and is done for the year, and so are the Cardinals. Really, they weren't going anywhere anyway, even if Kyler's healthy, but wow, what a rough what a rough week for them, too. Just bad energy around that team, too. I don't know if you saw, but DeAndre Hopkins in that game had a, a catch over the middle where he tried to pull an Odell Beckham. He puts the ball in one hand and immediately gets it knocked out for a fumble that the Patriots returned for a touchdown. I don't know what he thought he was doing, but yeah, Cardinals kind of in free fall. So for the... 49ers coming out of this game, Brock Purdy, it is a bit of an injury concern if he's going to be able to go uh, in a couple days on on Thursday night with uh, the oblique. If he can't, it'll be Josh Johnson. Debo, of course, uh, a relief that it's not a, a worse injury. We already talked about Dante Johnson. And then Givens and Hyder were a little banged up. It's unclear exactly if or how much time they'll miss. But, you know... As 49ers injury games go, it could have been worse. At least we didn't lose Trent Williams or Kittle. Kittle, yeah. Kittle has stayed mostly healthy this year, which is Pleasant helpful. surprise. Especially coming into a game against Seattle you know, on Thursday night where we know we're going to need to run the ball. It's going to be loud. They're what a, a test. Worse. What a test this is going to be for Purdy, too. Yep. He has shown unbelievable moxie and has, again, exceeded any kind of possible reasonable expectation for for the kind of production that you get out of a practice squad player final pick in the draft going up to Seattle when we know that Purdy has had some issues getting the plays in getting up to the line on time you know sometimes you know audibling out the wrong way it's going to be very very interesting to see what he does against Seattle if he comes in and looks like he did against the Buccaneers in Seattle like, go ahead and just say, okay, like, is, is he the starter next year? I mean, yeah. if he can come in and dominate Seattle in Seattle as a rookie, having the sort of issues that he's had, that's that's going to be a real test. I think if he's able to be successful, you can kind of say, okay, this guy really truly has it, whether or not he's able to maintain it. That's anybody's guess. Sure. But. Well, so much of it is going to come down to actually winning the games, too, because as we've all seen in all of the graphics, Nick Mullins is one of the top three quarterbacks all time in, in passing yards in his first 16 starts. Shanahan can scheme guys open. I think the question is going to be, can Brock Purdy execute the game plan? And I'm sure that Limit was, the mistakes and, yep. and win. That's, I'm sure, one of the topics of conversation in the locker room. There was kind of an interesting shot where Shanahan and Purdy were alone talking at his locker after the game. I have my theory on what that conversation was. It looked really sad. It was like, that's the kind of scene you expect like when the season is over and you're telling a guy, like, it's okay, we'll get him next year. It just was so relaxed and and sedate. It was kind of a strange looking... So here is my theory on that. Shanahan tends to be a pretty serious guy. I'm pretty sure that what that conversation was was Kyle Shanahan saying, congratulations, that was amazing, you did great, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Don't audible my first play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm sure that that's probably what he opened with, but also probably reminding Purdy, look, we got two deep touchdowns in this game because they did not believe that you would throw deep. They did. They just didn't believe it. We're not going to get that going forward. You're going to spend the entire week hearing how great you are from everyone in the media. The other team's going to hear it. They're going to show up. There's good cornerbacks in Seattle and they're going to be determined to shut you down. They're, they're going to be ready. It's almost like one of those movies like Braveheart or one of these battle sequences where you see this, that, you know, the good guys are outmanned and overmatched, but they, they come up with some sort of trick or ambush or they like, they small victory, like they, where they like set fire to the initial part of the field and everyone's celebrating like, yeah, yeah, we burned them. And then you realize, well, we're still outnumbered 10 to one. I think that's probably a little bit what Shanahan was saying was, yeah, we got them this time. We pulled double moves and fake slants on them, but going forward, we're going to have to execute. It's not always going to be this easy. It's, it's really not, but good on him. What, what an amazing story and what an amazing game for Brock Purdy. And it just makes it that much more exciting Thursday in Seattle, man. I can't wait. It's going to be loud. And the Niners are going to be rocking their 94 all-whites. Uh, the last time I believe they were wearing those in Seattle was that infamous uh, final game of the 100th anniversary season of the NFL where Dre Greenlaw made that unbelievable goal line stop. So the Seahawks have really struggled against the run. That's one thing I think Purdy really has going for him. Again, it's the NFL, so anything can happen any given week. But Seattle has really struggled against the run. If we can see a, a healthy dose of Mason in this game, you know, you might even see Ty Davis Price in this one. Would certainly love to see, you know, McCaffrey not getting used and abused unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like to see him involved more in the passing game than than just running, uh, taking those those shots. But Man, it's going to be really interesting to see. As you said, the Niners have a chance to really walk away with the division after this Thursday night matchup. So uh, everything's on the table. The Seahawks are not going to be underestimating the 49ers or Brock Purdy, certainly after this game. Uh, There's going to be a target on his back. I think he definitely has the character and the persona and the cojones. We've talked about it so many times. Yep. Um, there's a really overused phrase about how the game or the moment is not too big for him. People say that about anybody that has any mild modicum of success in the NFL. But in this case, I think it really is true. He's just got that character or that personality where it doesn't matter. He's just going to go out and compete and do his thing and let the chips fall where they may. And so far, um, the, the Niners have been hitting on everything he touches. Yeah. His numbers against blitz have been remarkable and critically important to understanding the 49ers' success in the last two games because you knew coming in that that's, that's the obvious defensive strategy yeah. is blitz, them. blitz, the, blitz, the, heck out blitz of them. the small, undersized rookie quarterback. And everyone's been trying it these last two weeks, and it's not working at all. It will be fascinating to see if Seattle, do they drop more people into coverage and make him, make him you know, prove it with some impressive throws into tight windows or do they keep just trying to dial up these blitzes and, and leave the back end of their defense exposed? I think that's my favorite thing to watch is Purdy is he seems kind of like a magician in the pocket. His pocket awareness is really good. There was one against Miami where he did like a spin move and ran right into an edge rusher yeah. <laughs> and took a sack. But outside of that, this is going to sound like a weird comp, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger in the pocket where you just can't get to him. Roethlisberger, obviously a completely different body type. He is a huge, slow hulk of a man, but he was amazing in the pocket. You just couldn't bring him down. Purdy really seems to do that. 
um, with the speed that he has, it's, it's less of a Tom Brady where Tom Brady is always stepping up. Tom Brady is probably the best we've ever seen in terms of that sort of pocket awareness and pocket management. But you saw Purdy so many times in this game kind of running all over the place within the pocket making throws at weird angles, yeah. really dynamic looking throws. So if you have that kind of pocket awareness, that gives me a lot of hope for him moving forward. Obviously we're going to see some of those rookie mistakes. We're going to see some bad interceptions at some point. Sure. You just have to know that's coming, but he really, really looks like somebody that has potential and dear God, please let him stay healthy. Yeah. It almost looks like Russell Wilson too. Like when not, not now Russell Wilson now looks like <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what he looks like. He looks like Rick Vaughn or something from major league. He can't throw any Josh Johnson, Josh Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Um, but, it, but Purdy seems to have that elusiveness where he knows that the free rusher is coming. He doesn't panic or just dump it off. Like Jimmy does. He purposely moves to his right, a foot or two fakes and then shimmies left and manages to avoid it and get rid of the ball. So he's just been playing very well and it's exciting to see if the 49ers could wrap this up and maybe have a chance to, to rest some starters, you know, down the stretch. I don't know how much they really care about the second seed versus the the third seed, but it's just going to be exciting to see. We can't wait for Thursday night. (laughs) It's just going to be an amazing game. So that's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter for more 49ers content. We'll see you next week. We are the Niners Bros.